What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. The band is back together. Matthias is back in the United States. I am back after taking a little bit of time off over the Titans mini-buy and for the holidays, and we're ready to go because... It is the home stretch of home stretches with a dismantling of the Miami Dolphins on Sunday and a Chiefs loss to the Bengals. The Tennessee Titans are now in a position to end the regular season atop the AFC if they can simply knock off Davis Mills and the 4-12 Houston Texans. We're going to talk about everything today. We're going to talk about the Dolphins game and the fact that this team that had just won seven straight games got embarrassed by the Titans. We're going to talk about Derrick Henry coming back. We're going to talk about Bud Dupree vandalizing a Walgreens. We're going to talk about Todd Downing and his disastrous scripted plays. Everything is going to get talked about in this episode because we're glad to be back. But first, question for you guys. Because this, you know, everyone tuning into this podcast, I know, I know they love Derrick Henry and they want to know about Bud Dupree and him raising Kane in a Walgreens. But the question on everybody's mind, Matthias will. Should the Titans sign Antonio Brown? It's going to be a no for me. <laughs> uh, hold on. I mean, <laughs> he is very. No, I'm just kidding. No. You know, <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I was. We were waiting for, after the game for. I think Vrabel had just gone, and we were waiting for Tannehill. And I made a comment. I'm like, well, everybody check your Twitter because pretty soon you're going to start getting tweets about. 
you know, should the Titans sign Antonio Brown? And we all laughed and went, yep. And then after the later on, I was I went back and watched Tannehill's press conference again on the Titans YouTube page, and I, I looked over to the chat in the right hand column, and all the comments were a, like they were having a conversation about like would this make sense for the Titans? Like you people never cease to amaze me. No, <laughs> no, it does not make sense for the Titans or anyone else for that matter. I didn't see those, but whoever is even entertaining that possibility no no please no just don't do that um that was crazy that was just the craziest situation like it it was Vontae davis all over again but not really because he didn't really retire um he just ended up getting cut and we can we can talk more about this and uh the stop the nonsense portion of the show of course but also but before we really get into this we need a rashawn evans update because he he had gotten to where with a really solid performance <sighs> against the Jags, he had gotten back on to our podcast introduction. He was not on there today. Why is that, Will? So th- this is tough. I'm not. I'm obviously not a Rashawn Evans like stand or anything, but he was playing so well for like four weeks. Like I mean, he looked good. He was attacking. He and Cunningham worked really well. And then it kind of dipped a little bit against the 49ers. And then, uh, you know, against the Dolphins, nobody talked about it because it, you know, the Dolphins didn't score a touchdown. It was a blowout, all that, which is great. But the biggest plays of the day were where he was just running in the wrong gaps and leaving these big, wide open holes where he was presumably supposed to be. And at the end of the game, they had, uh, they made him like, I'm not player of the game or anything like that, but while everybody else was doing interviews, the Titans kind of do their own in-house interviews like over the Jumbotron, and he was the guy they pulled off first, and they didn't have to do this to him, but while he was talking, they showed his stat line at the bottom, and it said one tackle, one solo tackle. And I thought that was egregious. Like, if that's your stat line, just don't <laughs> like don't put it up there. Like that that feels like a shot from whoever's making those graphics. But it, you know, it just shows like I don't know if it's an energy thing. Like I don't know if he's really high energy. I, I don't know if he was just the first guy they could grab or what. But like, it's things like this which li- they lead to the whole like. Chris Collinsworth being talking about how Rashawn Evans is like their best linebacker and all that stuff. When the story and uh, the person they should have pulled over is David Long, who came back. But yeah, that that is in a nutshell why Evans didn't make the list today. It also felt like every time Gesicki caught a pass, Evans was like with his back turned and just was not yeah. in the right. Place. It looked like they were so. running like Tampa two or something, and he was like running up the seam, like ah, yes. almost had him. Or yeah. like he was kind of flailing his arms around like, oh, you didn't have him? And I'm like, oh, I just hate this. Let's get into the nitty gritty of this Miami game because the Dolphins, who, as I mentioned, had won seven straight entering this, suffered a swift kick in the pants at the hands of the Titans in this game. Uh, just what went so right for the Titans? It's kind of everything, wasn't it? They ran the ball, they threw the ball when they needed to, and they played near shutout defense. Yeah, I mean, the the offense to start wasn't very crisp, um, to say the least, but the defense just came out firing and 
you could just sense pretty much um, from the start of the game that the Dolphins were not going to be able to get much going. And this was a game that was maybe going to end like, you know, 17 to 13, one of those defensive battles. But I mean, the Dolphins couldn't even couldn't even do that. Like they even went first of all, the times we're getting a lot of pressure on Tua. But even when they weren't like Tua had nowhere to go, he had no one to throw to. Um, because the coverage on the back end was also so good. Um, and just having that symphony between good coverage and also getting pressure with just four players uh, on the defensive line, that is, that's just chaos for, for an opposing offense. Um, and we've seen this defense do it before, and it's just so impressive, um, especially when you just compare it to last year. But how many, it, they've held like three opponents to three points, I think, uh, this season, like, it's crazy, and they made the Rams' offense look look awful. They made the Chiefs' offense look awful. Like this is a legitimately good defense. Sure, they still have um, some moments that that are a little frustrating, but overall, as a whole, it's just a stifling unit. Um, and then on offense, like Deontay Foreman was was unstoppable, and Hilliard got um, a late touchdown. But Foreman was the engine. Um, he's shown glimpses of this over the past. Uh, month, two, mo- two months since uh, Derrick Henry went down. Uh, finally put it all together, and he looks like a really solid uh, number two running back once Derrick Henry comes back. Um, and even Tannehill. T- Tannehill was good. He didn't have to do much, but when he was when his number got called upon, he made the right throws, and you know he ended up with two touchdowns, um, decent amount of yards on, on the completion. So just a great overall win. Yeah, and you touched on a couple of interesting points. Um, first of all, the the they held opponents to three points three times. It's actually better than that. They had two different games, the Chiefs and the Dolphins, that where they held them to three points, and then they shut out Jacksonville. So it's they had three games with three or under, uh, which I hadn't heard until you said that, and I looked it up, which is interesting. Um, so let's talk about how the offense started out because I tweeted about this, and I tweet about it every single week like how you just have to hold your breath and wait until the scripted plays are over with. So the Titans punted or kicked off to start. So their first possession, three and out. Their second possession, three and out. Then I tweet um, something to the effect of, you know, everybody can breathe now. The scripted plays are over. Like now we can see the real offense. The next drives were – uh I'm not going to count how many plays these are. There was a touchdown. Then there was a field goal. Then the next one was a touchdown. And then the next one was uh, the two plays before the halftime started. So as soon as the scripted plays were over, they scored 17 points over the next three possessions. And then that was halftime. So I don't know. Like, what what what's the deal? Like, we've talked about this for weeks. Like, I understand people defending Todd Downing in the macro sense. And, you know, we have to accept that there's not going to be any changes this offseason. So we've just got to figure out how to live with it. But why can this guy not figure out how to string two drives together to start the game? Because, like, the the difference in back-to-back three and outs to start the game and then scoring on every single drive after that until halftime is crazy. I, I just do not understand how it can consistently be this bad. Yeah. And, and it was so funny. Like 
because your tweet was so – I was telling someone about this today. A, a buddy of mine called me about the game, and I was telling him about your tweet because the, the timing was just so perfect because immediately afterward, like, the offense woke up. It, like, what, what do you think is the problem with these scripted plays, guys? Is he getting too cute? It, I, I remember Robisky had the same problem. Now, the problem with Robisky is the stuff after was also weird, but – if you broke down what Robisky was doing, the scripted stuff always stunk, and then once they got out of it, it got a little bit better. With Todd Downing, it gets a lot better, thankfully, after the scripted stuff. But, but what's the problem? What 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 is going wrong with all of that? I mean, I've, I've mentioned it before. It just seems like he doesn't really find a rhythm um, throughout a game or, or even within drives. I was getting frustrated um, during the game because – they were just running on every first down. And I understand like the run game ended up working overall throughout the game. Um, but I don't know, man, like it, it was getting a little too predictable and the dolphins um, front was generally not, not bad. So I was getting a little frustrated by that. And yeah, going through it, like the, the, the drives where they ended up punting uh, the first two of the first half. And then the first two uh, of the second half, like it was just, it started with a run up the middle and it, it was just a little too predictable. Um, and then, you know, you get in a second and long and the passing offense hasn't been very efficient um, and you really can't get anything going there. And then you're in third and long and then, you know, that's it because that's just kind of been the story uh, of the season. But I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really know why it's at the, at the beginning of quarters or halves that, that Todd Downey just just can't get together. I really don't have the answer for it. Yeah, I, like it, it's it's I can't figure it out. It's crazy. Like it's happened every single game except for the Kansas City game. Like they have not scored on their first two drives. Uh, they may have done it against Jacksonville. I can't that 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 may be, have been one, but regardless, like when he has to go the full length of the field, it's just uh, like, he can't do it. Like I, like I don't understand how it can be this bad. Like, so my, my exact tweet was, uh, I said, and that concludes downing scripted plays of the week. The offense will start shortly. And then I quote tweeted at halftime. <laughs> and I said, I said the Titans scored 17 points after this. Like it, like it's crazy. Like it, I don't know. Like it's going to be a problem. In the in the playoffs, and we can talk more about the playoffs in a little bit, but that's going to be an issue that they need to solve, and maybe Derrick Henry can fix that. Maybe he can't, but it's just incredible how bad he's been. I mean, like, historically bad, it feels like. I want to pause or at least hold up on the Vrabel Coach of the Year conversation because if they don't beat the Texans this week, that goes out the window, at least for me anyway. Um We'll have that conversation next week. I do want to say this, though. Typically, a divisional championship is not worth a whole lot of celebration. It's really what you're supposed to do, especially when you're as talented as the Titans are. And a fourth of the league every year wins a division championship. But in the case of this Titans team, I think that that what they have done in terms of winning the South is uniquely worthy of praise because of all that they've gone through. And it's more than just Henry. That's the headline. 
Henry goes out before that Rams game, and everyone starts to say, you know, is the season over? And people, folks like us who know this team are like, no, you know, they're going to keep winning. They'll probably win the division. Number one seed, that's probably out. You know, they're probably not going to win at a very good pace without Henry. They've gone five and three to this point. Uh, but, you know, it's not going to be great. And and what have they done along with, you know, they, they've been helped by the fact that none of these teams at the top of the AFC has really separated itself from the pack, including them. But the fact that they have bonded together to win all these games in which they have fielded, you know, the practice squad outside of Tannehill, it's really impressive. And I think they deserve recognition and praise for that because what they have done is not ordinary. And I feel like I'm rambling here, but one criticism or at least a reason why people may not be entertained by the Titans is, well, you know, they're not they're not pretty. They kind of scrap out. That went on Sunday was pretty. They kicked their teeth in, as they did with the lowly Jaguars a few weeks before that. But for the most part, like Vrabel said a couple weeks ago, they get up on Monday, they say, who are we playing this week? They come up with a game plan, they practice it, they go and they execute it, and more often than not, they win. That's, that's, that's what this team is about. It works. Yeah, and we can look to another AFC team, the Ravens, who have also been crushed by injuries. But just, you know, a couple of months ago, they were in the same position as the Titans in terms of of win-loss record. Um, And they've just had completely different seasons since then. Um, And and I think that's a real testament to the coaching staff um, and the players that have come in and stepped up. Um, Like this season could have, this season could have been a disaster given all the injuries um, th- that the Titans have had to deal with, especially injuries to like big, big name players. Um, so, yeah, they definitely deserve a lot of credit. Um, and I know winning the division really isn't the main goal, you know, getting that one seed, um, getting to the AFC championship game again, getting to the Super Bowl. That's a real goal. But I, I think we can't take for granted um, the success that the Titans have had recently, like this is not normal for, for those of us that have been Titans fans for a really long time. Like we, we are not very used to this. Like, um, I, I think there's the first time the Titans have won back-to-back division titles since like the 60, like the early sixties, I think it was. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I, I have it right here since 1960, 1962. Uh, first time they've made the playoffs for the third straight year. No, no, make playoffs for the third straight year for the first time since 87 to 93 and post at least 11 wins in two straight years for first time for the first time since 2002 to 2003. That's courtesy of our friend John Glennon. Um, and that's just it's crazy. Like this is a new era of Titans football. Um, and it's awesome. Like this is real sustained success and something we haven't seen for a really long time. Yeah, like, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Like, the fact that at the end of the season, you know, we talked about the, like, I don't want to rehash all the injuries, but it's not just the volume, it's the positions that it hurts specifically, like wide receiver, and then it's also losing your best player, like losing Derrick Henry, and, you know, 
hopefully he's back to 100% and he looks good when he comes back. But it's like there's no other team in the NFL that doesn't get like big pats on the back for even like surviving. Like the Titans beat the Rams on national TV and everybody's like, wow, that's a great win. And then everybody was tired of talking about the Titans and just kind of forgot and waited till they started to lose to really bring them up. And then the only context they were brought up in is, are the Colts going to chase them down and are they going to win the division? Like how tough are the Colts? Like that, that's all it was. Like that's the only attention the Titans got for a long time. And you know, some of that is, is rightfully is, I mean, it's fair, I guess, because the Titans weren't, a strong playoff team during that stretch early because they had so many injuries. But as soon as they got a third of those play, you know, as soon as Julio came back, like you you may not like it, but the fact that like when Julio was out there, it, there was a slight difference and a slight uptick in production when Julio and AJ Brown were out there, then it was a bigger uptick in production like whether Julio was getting attention or not, it was just another NFL caliber wide receiver. Like now we're to the point where they've done so well at masking these issues for so long that people are talking about how maybe Derrick Henry won't be as big of an upgrade because of how well that Deontay Foreman, Deontay Foreman's doing. And like, I, I hear that like, and I know we know that's stupid to say, because I hear that because they've done a good job putting him in a good position and the offensive line has done well. But the fact that that's even a conversation point does speak to how well this team managed the season. Even if there are issues that we had, you know, here or there, like this team may not have broke broken away from the pack, but these coaches did. And the players that are starters who had to elevate themselves, like the, everybody on the defense, you know, uh, the offensive linemen who, you know, managed to stay and make it like, the the players who played throughout this who are now going to be supplemented with the you know the guys who are getting healthy like in my mind that raises them like several tiers up like that group has separated themselves up enough that without turnovers by you know Ferkser and Hollister or like or whoever was was fumbling it whatever week it was like without those people making those mistakes and replacing them with high impact players like, I, I don't know. I mean, this team just feels dangerous. Yeah, I, I want to talk about, let, let's do Henry. Let, let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break first. But that's the big news, even more so than the Bud Dupree wackiness. And that's kind of what this is with Bud Dupree's wackiness. We'll talk about it. We'll also, though, first talk about Derek Henry in 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Derrick Henry, um, we're recording this on Tuesday, but all indications from both uh, Diana Rossini and Cameron Wolf of NFL Network is that Henry's going to be activated for return from injured reserve. So if you're listening to this like at 11 o'clock on Wednesday, it's probably already happened. Titans practice on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time. Big deal. Don't think he's going to play this week. We, we can get more into that issue in a second. But when he does come back for the playoffs, because that's going to happen, you can't overstate what it means. Because what Henry is to the Titans, and I, and I get these people 
right, I see these people saying when Henry gets back and, and this, the, you hear me flipping because I'm looking at the stats from Sunday's game, saying Henry and Foreman are going to be a great one-two punch. And I get it, right? I'm looking at Foreman's stats from Sunday. 26 carries, 132 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. That's a, a great game. Great game. And a touchdown, too. And he's had a few of them for the Titans this year, has Foreman. But when Henry gets back, there is no one-two punch. There is a one-one punch. And he wears jersey number 22. That's it. If you're a Titans fan and you're sitting here getting excited about watching Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman, no. What you should want is every single friggin' carry to go to number 22 because there's never been anyone like him. Maybe you throw Adrian Peterson or, or, or you know, Barry Sanders is a, a different mold of player, but like, you know, a, a Eric Dickerson. But Derrick Henry is a Band-Aid. He is a healer in terms of righting wrongs of this offense. When he gets back, this offense jumps like three-letter grades. I know that the—and finally what has happened, I remember when Henry went down, I said the run game needs to be efficient, not explosive, right? We had that conversation about two months ago on here. It has happened. It's time for the explosiveness to come back, and that is what's going to win you playoff games. That is what's going to separate you when it's 13-13 and you're slugging it out with Joe Burrow and the Bengals or you're slugging it out with the Patriots and Mac Jones and then Ryan Tannehill gives it to Derrick Henry and he runs 70 yards. That's the element that's coming back here. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Like uh, when when Henry was in the game, um, was on the field, I mean – um, earlier this season, I think the Titans, you know, uh, like average points were was at least in the high 20s, probably around 30. Um, and that just hasn't been the case. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry is better than Deontay Foreman. I don't think anyone could possibly um, dispute that. Um, and Henry just he's just a completely different, per, uh, you know, type of player um, than anyone. And you give him so many carries, not only because he demoralizes a defense because he's so hard to tackle um, and he's really frustrating to play against, but also because on any given carry, he can just house it. And as good as Deontay Foreman has been, he just doesn't have that. Um, no one really has that um, in the NFL. Uh, and that's what makes Derrick Henry so special. So I agree he's going to get as many carries as he could possibly handle uh, Foreman will mix in. Sure, he's going to be a spellback, um, but we'll see if the Titans, you know, really need Foreman or, or if Henry comes back and he's full go, doesn't have any, you know, lingering issues, doesn't have any fitness, cardio issues. Um, if he doesn't, like, he's going to get the rock 30 plus times. Um, and that's what you want because it, it's proven to be a successful, um, you know, type of offense, especially in the past, like, they got to the AFC championship game because of Derrick Henry giving him the ball 30 plus times. Uh, it didn't work last year. It, the Ravens had a really good game plan to stop him. Um, but you know, there's a different Titans team and 
if Henry's good to go, man, like I can't wait to watch it because if he comes back hungry and he comes back healthy, he could really carry the offense an offense that, that struggled for, for most of the season and hasn't really looked like itself. Um, but in these winter months at home at, at, at Nissan stadium, feeding off the energy of the fans, man, Henry could just explode and, yeah, you have to give him as many touches as possible. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons why we should think that Derrick Henry would be better when he comes back than he was when he left. Not only does the 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 injury history of that Jones fracture or whatever say that if you wait more than eight weeks, you typically get back like 101% of your production or whatever that stat was that happened as soon as everybody knew what the fracture officially was, but uh, now you have a couple of like, you know, big differences in this team. One being that the offensive line looks much better. Like uh, in the early part of the season, the offensive line wasn't really creating anything. It was Derrick Henry, like making plays and through little cracks and finding space and bouncing back and all that. But now, you know, the offensive line is doing such a good job that Foreman and, uh, Hilliard are missing like pretty big holes or big cutback lanes that would be touchdowns. But, you know, even beyond that, like you'll get, I mean, I hope I, we haven't heard anything, but I'm hoping that Tory Carter comes back who, if you love fullback play and you like watching blocking, like it, he's exceptional. He's, he is leaps and bounds of he- ahead of uh blasting game or even any tight end in terms of just how much they impact the run. Um, and then there's another thing, you know, that's why he should be better. Like in addition to the, having the fresh legs and the cold weather versus guys who've had to play for, you know, 10 straight weeks. But uh, on top of that, like Vrabel was asked about this. Um, I don't know, can't remember if it was Monday or in the post game, Luke, you'll have to help me out. But it, he was asked if defenses play uh, the Titans any differently when Henry's in and he said it was Monday. I remember. Uh, and he said that uh, no, they don't play any differently. Like when it, he cited the fact that the uh, uh, Dolphins had twenty run pressures or whatever that they brought to try to stop the running game. I I, I don't think he really. I, I mean, I knew he understood the question, but I don't think he understands it in the terms of they they do play it differently like we can all see and it may not be with the play call but it's with how many guys feel like they need to get to the ball it's with how many guys decide to pull up a little early or not rush to contact because they're more comfortable tackling foreman than they are derrick henry and you know it's it's those little things it's the human element of the game not the x's and o's like you can call a game differently which i think was the exact question but the game is played differently when derrick henry's on the field because it physically it is difficult to tackle somebody 25 to 32 times a game who's 6 foot 3 250 pounds and has really long arms that he loves to stiff arm people with like it is just physically different and we know that titans fans know that like so for all all of this talk like there there is a real legitimate unbiased chance that we're about to enter unknown territory with how effective Derrick Henry can be because the offensive line is blocking better than it has since you know maybe at their peak last year and they're healthier than they were last year 
he's got an upgrade at fullback and it, he's gonna it, like I can't stress enough how insane it is that he's about to run in at borderline a hundred percent fresh into a group of people who especially if you're the number one seed you get the extra rest the people who've been scrapping and clawing for playoff spots and for wild card spots finally get in they have to play and win a playoff game oh and then you have to turn around and face this team with so much rest and so much energy like it like this is this is what titans fans could only have dreamed of eight weeks ago we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about the titans playoff chances and are they a legit super bowl contender and yada 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 We'll potentially have two weeks to have that conversation because if the Titans going to buy a week, we're not taking a week off because that's when the more people will be listening to this show. So got to take advantage of that. But I do want to mention this in terms of who the Titans are and, and the advantage they have, because because Henry is obviously a huge advantage. And, you know, they'll have you would think AJ and Julio, although Julio Jones is Mr. Mystery at this point. Um, that pass rush that this team has. I have never watched a team blitz so little and yet get home so often. Yeah. They very rarely blitz. And usually when they do, it's like one of those fake blitzes, what I'll call it, where like almost like a zone blitz, that sort of idea where a linebacker blitzes, but, then Harold Landry drops, right? They're really only sending four, and that's not that's not a real blitz. And it's because when your four is Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, and Bud Dupree, Mr. Walgreens man himself, you don't need anyone else. I mean, there was one play I remember, I don't remember when it was against the Dolphins where third and ten, I think, or something like that. And Tonga Bailoa took the snap and starts dropping. And after about a second and a half, the Dolphins had the Titans. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, this isn't going to last long. And immediately, here comes Walgreens, man, barreling through up the middle to flush Tua out of the pocket. He might have gotten a sack. I honestly can't remember. But, like, you you can't block him. <laughs> you you, you got to chip or do something. And and it's a credit to everyone. It's a credit to the players because I think that um, the new guys are playing very well, Autry and Dupree. I think that Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry have improved as players. I think they have taken steps forward. That's also, of course, a credit to the coaching staff. It's a credit to Coach T and, and Ryan Crow, the outside linebackers coach. It's also a credit, of course, to John Robinson, who in one offseason – after completely whiffing, trying to do this last year with Jadevian Clowney and Vic Beasley, which were both horrendously disastrous signings, he fixed the mistakes by going out and getting Autry and Dupree. It, it, it's really incredible, this group. Brian Baldinger called him the best front four in the NFL, and I, I can't say I disagree. No, they're amazing to watch. And pretty much all the moves uh, that John Robinson made to – make this happen to just revamp the defense um not only personnel wise but also you know bringing in jim schwartz i think that was also a big um it seems to have been a big help um and rabel kind of relinquishing 
his duties to Shane Bowen, like all of that has combined um, to create one of the best defenses in, in the NFL. Um, and one of the best I, I've ever seen as a Titans fan, to be honest, like they remind me of the 2008 Titans defense that, man, they just they got pressure with four players just consistently. They would bring in some guys fresh off the off the bench. They would come in. They would also get pressure. Um, they ended up with 44 sacks. I think the, the 2021 Titans have 41. So they're probably going to catch them uh, against the Texans. And they're just very similar in terms of how frequently they can rush the passer uh, and how relentless they are. Um, and it's amazing. Like Harold Landry has 12 sacks. Like this is this is the guy that um, that we wanted to see and, and we thought he was capable of being. But he just never really had enough help. And you give him a little bit of help and, and look at what he's doing. He's putting up 12 sacks, possibly more in a season. Danico Autry um, is close to double-digit sacks. Jeffrey Simmons is a, a an all-pro type of talent. Um, and Bud Dupree isn't even fully healthy. Like, he's only, what is he, 18 months or something removed from? No, less, yeah. I think. No, not, not even. Not yeah. even, right? Yeah. Because well, it was, yeah. It was, it was December 10. of last year. Yeah, it was week 10 or 12 or something last year. And, and uh-huh. just quickly to, to help you make that point, Matthias, do you all remember in year two of Jeffrey Simmons when he was talking about, oh, yeah, I feel like a completely different person now? I know his timeline was different, but there is something real about, you know, still being in that first year window. Yeah. Well, look at Conklin. I mean, Conklin struggled so bad after his ACL yeah. the next year that we everybody talked about moving him into guard, and all he did was have a really solid season the next year and then get an all-pro, uh, first-team all-pro the first year he signed with the Browns. So, I mean, it, it just you just continue to heal after that injury, and it takes you 18 months to get fully healthy, it seems like, and then you may get better after that. But, yeah. That, to your point, Matias. Sorry, you can go ahead. No, yeah. The only other thing I want to say is it's not only the pass rush. Like their run defense is outstanding, and a lot of it is is due to that front. I mean, Naquan Jones has been an absolute revelation, um, and, and I think that's a real testament to the defensive coaches, the defensive line coaches. Um, to your Tart, you know, has has also been very good. Um, it's just, it's just. It's just amazing because after everything we endured last season and how awful the defense was to go to this, um, it's just it's just great because this is what we were expecting last season. Like before the season started last year, we were legitimately saying like they should be a top five defense on paper. And that clearly did not happen. But I guess we were just a year early because they are a top five type of defense this year and they're peaking at the right time going into the playoffs um because that's how you win that that's how you win playoff games just not turn well i mean they love to turn the ball over but running the ball we'll well. get to that before the end of this episode (laughs) don't worry yeah i know as long as they could just not turn the ball over keep playing this type of defense um and get prime derrick henry back like they are going to be a very tough out uh, in the playoffs. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to understand bone stuff. But but my understanding is that the bone stuff is different from muscle, hamstring, tough, soft tissue kind of stuff in that it's, if it's healed, it's healed. There's no like 
aggravation writ like it it just i mean it's i mean that's how bones work it's like you know i'm trying to i'm the analogy man and i'm trying to come up with one i'm I'm holding the paper plate off of which i ate my microwaved (laughs) banquet dinner if i rip this paper plate in half it is broken but and, and but the bone is not it's not like if I glued it back together and there was still a hole down the middle. It's like if I got an all new paper plate, right? That's kind of how this works. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Legos. Bones are like Legos putting together, like being put together. Like if they're in, they're in. Like unless they snap, like they're no they're no weaker than they were before. Yeah, muscles are like if you glue something back together. Like it's not like it's not held together in the same way that it was before. Um, for your analogies, although, are you sure you're not a doctor? I'm pretty sure they call it bone stuff. I'm pretty sure that's what, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> orthopedic the, surgeons the call it. So I'm not a doctor, but bone with stuff this, is with my this special. Bone stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, to your point, yeah, like uh, that, that's my understanding as well. Um, it, it, there, there seems the, the debate seems to be the six week to eight week to 10 week, whatever, like that seems to be more about pain tolerance, uh, more than anything else. So, you know, theoretically he could have come back like last week or whatever, like, uh, you know, everybody waited until Sunday to post all the rumors they've been hearing, but apparently he's been working out at the facility and running all last week, just yeah. indoors. And th- there was, uh, Somebody actually let that slip in a press conference, and I cannot remember who it was, but they said uh, they were, you know, they got a tricky Derrick Henry question, and they mentioned that he had been in the facility working out, and they said it in a weird way, and then it wasn't addressed again. But like going I back, I remember knowing, that vaguely. Yeah, like knowing what we know now, and that it's not ten full and conspiracy. Like you can see, like that he was, it wasn't like they were bringing him in at four o'clock in the morning when nobody was around. Like he was in the facility, like, uh, you know, and you know, to put a tenfold back on, maybe that's why the team played so much better this week is they knew that Derrick Henry was on the verge of coming back. Like the running game seemed to be like the people forget the dolphins front is not a bunch of slouches. Like they led the league in sacks coming into this game, coming into that game. Like, it's not like they played Jacksonville. Like that front is legitimately good across the board and their talent, like they're, they're talented and athletic and they blitz from the second level and they blitz from the third level. So to get your run fits, to run the ball effectively, to do as well as they did is a pretty big deal. Like you're not going to find a lot. Of, I mean, they, they absolutely crushed the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Like, it, you know, and they did it. The Saints were easier because they didn't have uh, their quarterbacks. But, you know, like they had been doing it consistently to good running games. So it don't don't, you know, shoo this away like it's not a big accomplishment. Like the, the offensive line, I will say it was probably the best game of the season for Saffold, like at least on first glance. Like he seemed to do really well until they took him out and put Raidens in late. And he, then Raidens did fine, but like that, they seemed to block as a unit and get to that second level, which is why there were so many more long runs. Is they were getting up to the linebackers and sealing them off effectively and all that. So, you know, all that to say, like if Derrick Henry comes back, like 
you know, I, I've, I've said it before, but it's like it's not hyperbole to say that this is a completely different team. And the defense, like this, we started the conversation with the defense. Like there were on fourth, fourth and one or whatever it was, where they got the defensive pass interference on, or where they got the um, roughing the passer on Dupree, which yeah. was questionable or whatever. He like hit the head and whatever. Uh, but, he kind of karate chopped him in the helmet. I thought that was a pretty good call. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you go for the ball, like we we can discuss the merits of that officiating staff later and their uh whatever that blindside block thing they had was. Oh, but, that was r- ridiculous. Yeah, there were there were several boos in that stadium just throughout the day, but like even on that play, like he was held on both. He looked exactly like T.J. Watt did uh yeah. the week before. Like I mean, like the defensive line was consistently double teamed, and they never felt the need to bring pressure. They knew mm-hmm. that they could win with their four against the Dolphins seven or the Dolphins eight, and they knew that if they weren't winning, they could slowly collapse the pocket, and Tua wouldn't be able to beat him with his arm. Like, it, it was great. So we'll have much more time to talk about Derrick Henry closer to when he returns to game action. Again, my expectation is that the Titans are going to uh, deploy one final week of the Foreman-Hilliard combo, which has been great in, in Henry's absence. I don't know what more you could have asked from the two of them. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Texans team because on paper, right, they're 4-12, and 12, they stink, they've got a rookie quarterback who's not all that exciting. But this team beat the Titans once already. So we got to talk about this as if it's a real threatening opponent because that's what they are. And we're going to do that in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense, Tennessee Titans podcast. So guys, as I think about the Texans and I look ahead to this game, because again, very simple, Titans win, this becomes a playoff game, and they get to have a week off. And 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 reporters get to have a week off. So I'd love nothing more than for the Titans to win this game to let us all take a bit of a breather. Um, here's how they do that. I think there is one stat that you can look at at the end of this game without looking at the final score and 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 understand based on this stat whether the Titans have beaten the Texans. It's turnovers. It's it's that simple because. The last time the Titans played the Texans, when they lost, and what was an embarrassing loss, it wasn't a blowout, but it was embarrassing that they lost to that team, the Titans were horrific with turnovers. They had, uh, what, five of them? Four of them? Was that They had four on offense, and then Chester Rogers muffed a punt. And yes. then I, I think in addition to that, they also had two turnovers on downs, which don't count as turnovers, but that you're still giving the ball to the other team. So if you want to think about it that way, that's seven giveaways. How absurdly, ridiculously inexcusable is that? And yet, despite all that, the Titans still had a chance to win late. And and so I, I you know, the, the Texans, as we were talking about before the show, they beat the Chargers. They're, they, they play hard. You know, they're not going to give up. But the reality is they're not that good. They're 4-12 and 12 for a reason. And so I honestly think if you don't watch this game and you don't know the score, at the end of the game, look at the turnover differential. And if the Titans win it, it you know, they're getting that week off. And if the Texans win it, 
and the Titans might be back at Nissan Stadium next weekend. Yeah, um, I don't think I could say I would be shocked if the Titans lose because, you know, they've, they, they've done this in the past. They've already lost to the Texans. Uh, they lost to the Jets. So I can't say it, but I would be very surprised uh, at, at the least. I, I don't know. There's there's just no way that the Titans could come out um, flat in this one, especially with everything that's on the line. I, I will say this for the Texans. They have played teams very tough as of late. They've legitimately, like, showed up. They've been competent. Um, I mean, they crushed the Chargers, which was which was pretty shocking, um, although the Chargers were without Joey Bosa. Um, they were without Eckler and uh, I think Mike Williams also and a couple of other players because of COVID. Um, they crushed the Jaguars, but everyone crushes the Jaguars. Um, and then this past week, they played the Niners really tough uh, for the first half, but then, you know, they just couldn't get anything going on offense. Uh, Davis Mills has been okay. He's uh, he's been better than Tyrod Taylor. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I would be very surprised if the Titans come out super flat in this one and end up not getting the job done. I think there's too much at stake um, for the Titans, and I think they played so well in this Dolphins game that they really should capitalize um, on that on that momentum. And the Texans really don't have anything. They're essentially just operating on team spirit at this point um i think their head coach has done a pretty good job of keeping uh the players engaged but like i said there's just too much on the line for the Titans to not win this game yeah i i think this is so much different from the texans game earlier where it was a game not that they had to win or anything like that but uh, it was right before the Patriots game, I believe, right? It was them, then the Patriots in the bye week. So it was, you know, everybody's looking towards the Patriots. You expect to cruise over the Texans and then, you know, your big challenge is next week. And then they have that shot, you know, they call 52 game. I mean, that they, they, they clearly weren't prepared, you know, for what would happen if AJ Brown went down. They weren't prepared for, like that, those weather conditions, they weren't prepared for that team to play so well. Like I, I I would not imagine a repeat upset, especially because it's indoors. Like it's going to be in the state, you know, in Houston is always a little bit easier to play offense because you get to play, you know, without the weather conditions and all that. So yeah, I don't think they're going to sneak up. I, it would be surprising to me too for Vrabel to lose to a team twice in one season because usually the bad teams sneak up on him, but the bad teams don't like don't sweep him. Like it, it's not it, he doesn't tend to repeat the same mistakes versus the same team over and over again. So you put that, you put in the you know Cunningham factor you know, who gets to have his revenge. Like you get, you get all those little things that he can kind of poke at and, you know, really rev everybody up. And then the like, okay, that was your shirts and hats game. This is your week off game. Like, you know, you just motivate them that way. Like I have to assume that, you know, this will be a very convincing performing performance from the Titans, even as gun shy as I am to like, suggest that the Titans would beat a bad team. Yeah. Also, last time we played the Texans, Adrian Peterson was on the team. So 
a lot has and Des Fitzpatrick caught a touchdown. So a lot has changed uh, since well, then. And in, in the Titans didn't that the game where they averaged like seven yards per carry, like that. Like remember, it was the game where Adrian Peterson looked good, and they just stopped running the ball. Like, am I am I crazy? I uh, I feel like they stopped. Like I feel like Downing's excuse was, well, it got out of hand in the second half, and we couldn't run the ball as much, and that's why they threw it fifty two times in the rain, even though they were successful. Like. I, it was it was a super weird game. Like I think they were running the ball well. They just he just panicked. I, I just look. I know we joke about the whole Mike Vrabel playing down to bad teams, and it's not even a joke at this point. Yeah, it's joke proven, proven reality. <laughs> yeah, but something about the notion of Davis Mills beating the Titans to wrap up a sweep of the Titans. By the then would be five and twelve Texans, I I just can't vibe with that in my head. That that just doesn't seem like a r- real possibility, especially no. with stakes being as high as they are. This is a <laughs> playoff game. You know, I, I, all the players joked. They don't joke, but they say to anything like, you know, every game is a playoff game. This is legitimately a playoff game because if you win this game, congrats, you're advancing to the next round of the playoffs. That's a de facto playoff game. Yeah, I I really just can't see it. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's all going to happen again. Um, but yeah, no, they just have to go in and, and just win. Even if it's ugly, I don't care. Just get the job done. Just just win the game um, some way, somehow. And, and like Will said, uh, there's no rain. It's in a dome. The conditions will not be playing a factor. Um, and I think they really did. Um, in the last game, um, and Tannehill was also like going through that stretch where he just loved turning the ball over. Um, and he hasn't done that the past two games. He kind of see, he seems to be more efficient, uh, seems to have a little more confidence within the offense. So uh, I think the times are, are in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, and one last thing, like you, if you've ever heard people uh, like players who've been on like really bad teams, in interviews, they talk about how they already have their car loaded up after this. Like they've already got vacations booked. Lawan's talked about it a lot. How like as a rookie, he was like, "All right, where are we training in the off season?" And then the guy, like the other offensive linemen, were like, "We got a trip booked like the night of the game." So they're like, "We're we're playing the game, then we're gone that night." So it's like they like it's different when it's week 17 versus week 18, because week 17, you're getting, you know, you've still got to go in on Monday and go to work. You know, it's the last day of school for those guys. So, you know, if you're a little banged up, no need to play, you know, there, there's no reason for any of them to overexert themselves. So I, it, there is no excuse for the Titans to lose. Absolutely not. And we will be ripping them if they lose this game. There's, there's yes. just no, no reason. Uh, we got a little bit of time left before we do stop the nonsense. Let's use that time to talk about Bud Dupree in this very sh- – you know, I've, I've kind of been tongue-in-cheek about it throughout the show today. But I, I, we don't really know a whole lot about what happened. It's alleged by the police report that he – and by others that he and some of his buddies vandalized a Walgreens and then went inside and Bud Dupree had an altercation with the guy at the counter that involved – grabbing him and trying to pull the phone away. Um, The result of this was Metro Nashville police issued to Dupree a citation for misdemeanor assault. Now, 
Uh, the NFL's uh, conduct policy states that uh, any player who's found guilty of criminal assault, which this would be if you were found guilty of it, uh, that that carries a minimum six-game suspension. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I would imagine that there's probably going to be a plea deal. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen in the interim. He's not going to miss the playoffs. But very weird and, like, my, my big thing from this, because there's all this argument, like the videos have come out. Broadway Sports put out this one like iPhone video that showed part of it. And then within the last last hour, and I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch the whole thing and really break it down, uh, but TMZ broke the real one. Um, but by the real one, I mean like the, the security cam footage, the, the full video. Um regardless of like what actually happened, like it looks like just a bunch of chaos and stupidity really, but just why, why, like why is Bud Dupree and his boys going to the Walgreens close to the Titans facility to raise hell? Like why? I don't know. I really have no idea. I wish it hadn't happened just because it's a little bit of a distraction. And obviously you don't want any of your players uh, to be caught up in something like this, uh, particularly an important player like Bud Dupree, who has been playing well. Um, but like, I don't I don't know what else to say, because I, I, I don't really know the information. I don't think too many people really do um I, he's not gonna get suspended at least not yet like the nfl is always really slow with these kinds of things they have to launch their own independent uh investigations and they always take time usually it's like until the next season and, and until like a suspension gets handed down um but i don't know like i i don't i don't really know what happened but it's not like he's like punching someone and wailing on someone um, yeah, and, and, and to that point, I know I, I, I know the, the personal conduct policy says what it says, what I just mentioned about the six-game thing. Th- this isn't a six-game suspension offense. I will say that based on what I have seen. Well, Buck Rising, friend of the show and uh, best friend of the Luke, uh, was asked uh, <laughs> if it was going to be like if he was going to be suspended, and he quote tweeted it, and he said, nah, it's a misdemeanor. Um, so basically to the effect of like, I, it, I, I'll, I'll say this from the video clip that was shown earlier, he looks like he's preventing a fight from the extended clip. It also looks like he's preventing a fight. Now it looks like he tries to snatch the guy's phone. I, you know, since we're playing devil's advocate on both sides here and saying like, Oh, well, you know, we may not, it, it may have been, you know, worse than we saw. It also may have been that he, that guy was agitating to some point because he sure didn't seem afraid when he asked Bud Dupree for a selfie. So like, I mean, he was lining up for a selfie before, like before like Bud Dupree tried to grab the phone. So I don't know yeah. if he was going up to Dupree's car and like taking pictures. I, I it's, it's a very weird thing for, there to be a world where Bud Dupree just out of nowhere comes inside of a building and tries to like take a guy's phone. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like also he never swings in the video that TMZ released. Like he never punches. All he does is separates people after he tries to grab the phone. Like, so 
it's I mean I I do this to my friends all the time. <laughs> I mean I mean like yeah like if if somebody like was your friend you, though they're yeah, not I, know, I know I know I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm but, but and the reason but, I mean, the reason you can be tongue in cheek about this is no one got hurt and this is not a very terribly serious situation. I'm watching the TNZ video right now and you clearly see Dupree who's wearing a a tan sweatsuit reach over the counter and grab this person. Um, well, clar- clarify a little bit more. It's not like the guy's standing behind the register and he like grabs him to pull him over. Yeah, yeah, but like Zach, Zach Stacy, this is not. Yeah, like yeah, it's like the guy. I mean, everybody should go watch the video. It'll take you like a minute of your time, and you can form your own opinions. And feel free to you know tweet any of us or just absolutely not. It doesn't matter. But like it, to me, this is a non-story. Like. There's videos and stuff that come out of like, you know, draft prospects and, you know, free agents every year that are 10 times worse than this. That, you know, what, like, you know, Rashad Weaver, like, allegedly had a worse in, in incident than this. Like, you know, apparently that's gotten pushed and back. We to haven't heard about that in months. Yeah. Like, it got pushed back to 2028. Like, he'll have kids <laughs> that'll graduate college before that ever gets settled. So it's like, it would be shocking to me if this got in the way, especially with the video. Like, it would be shocking to me if this got in the playoffs in the way of the playoffs at all. Yeah, I tend to think this is much ado about nothing. Right. It's it's stupid and and childish, but it is not. It is not going to ruin the season by any stretch. All right, stop the nonsense. It's been two weeks for me. It's been two weeks for Matias. Um. I wish I'd been here last week to talk about Bill Belichick being asked about his New Year's resolutions, but alas, the I good, was not. The good news is, uh, did you see that he was asked a follow up the uh, this week about his New Year's resolutions, like on uh, Monday or I, whatever? I did see like, that. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's this, this never too persistent. Late. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start. Mine is the the Washington Football Team Stadium collapsing and nearly killing Jalen Hurts and a photographer and those six or seven fans. So like this is, I have a bit of a a parallel to this because uh, since because of COVID, we can't go on the field before games. When I take videos and stuff of warmups and players running out of the tunnel, I'm in the stands. And so what I do is I lean against that railing, the Titans equivalent of that railing to lean over and get, get y'all videos of Brian Tannehill coming out of the tunnel and AJ Brown coming out of the tunnel. Right. Uh, and that railing holds me and many others up. And I, I know that railing pretty well because I've leaned against it many times now. And it just looks and feels safe. And obviously, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight seeing that video of the railing collapsing and the Jalen hurts thing. It just doesn't look safe. I mean, it looks like they Elmer's glued together some twigs to the wall and we're like, well, we hope this will work. Like, eh, goodness gracious. And and that stadium's had problems forever. I mean, with with safety and like wasn't there like sewage coming out of a pipe earlier this year? Twice. Just, that happened twice I mean, this year. I mean, who built this thing? It couldn't have been engineers. Did Daniel Snyder build this himself? Yes, 
it's his finest achievement is a palace of, I'm not going to say that word, but we'll say poop. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) That video, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's also shocking. Especially when you see it from that other angle from inside the tunnel. Well, like the worst, not, I don't know if it's the worst thing, but you really can't understand the impact of it until you like have actually fallen off something that high before. Like it, it doesn't look like they fall a long way, but I guarantee when that fell, they were all terrified. And if anybody was underneath it, it would have crushed them. I mean, like yeah. that's like tons of pounds. I mean, it's like if there's 20 people on there, and they all weigh 200 pounds, you know, that, I mean, that's what, mm, 4,000 pounds. Yeah. So it's like, I mean that, like that's two tons of weight falling on your 198 pound quarterback. Like what, what a nightmare. Um, I'll, I'll do mine because I, I think if I don't, Matias might take it. Um, so mine is that, uh, the breaking news out of Jacksonville, is that not only are they keeping Trent Baalke, but as the general manager, but apparently they're pushing hard for Bill O'Brien as the next head coach. Which, Where have you seen that? I haven't seen this at all. Oh, I saw yeah. it. I saw yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's been it's been over the internet. It's been like uh, per. It's been like it was quiet yesterday, and then it was like louder today. And now Alabama sites are reporting it because he's the Alabama offensive coordinator right now. You like, be kidding. Yeah, like it's it's a uh, it's a pretty real like push, and so like I'm not saying it would be my favorite thing ever because uh, there's a world where the Jaguars beat the Colts this weekend and the Colts end up trading a first round pick for Carson Wentz who stays healthy just long enough to where they couldn't pull him out uh, before he cost him a first round pick, and that would be really funny to me and probably be my favorite like thing to happen this weekend, but. If the if the uh, Jaguars got uh, the man who traded DeAndre Hopkins for a second and let him come in with all their like young assets just waiting to be traded for like lower round value and just absolutely destroy them, it it would be awesome. Matthias, what do you got? Should I do it? Should I do the the analytics the analytics thing where the, every mean, analytics they're, they're person? Right. They're ripe to be to be taken down if you would like to swing the hammer. <laughs> I'm just I'm sick of it, man. I, I, I'm sick of it. Like I, they just give they give analytics people a bad name because a yeah. lot of them do a great job, a great job. And what they do is important because football is a very complex sport. And a lot of these analytics and advanced metrics could be crucial to, to understanding the game um, and, and analyzing it. But some people just take it to an extreme, and, and it's really not necessary. Like every single analytics person seems to just completely hate the Titans, and they just have to shove it down your throat that the Titans are the worst number one seed since 1983 by our precious uh, analytical tool, DVOA, which is never wrong um, and is perfect. Um, and then there's ESPN's FPI which has the Colts and the Chargers ahead of the Titans in terms of being better teams, even though the Titans have beaten the Colts twice this year. Um, and, and the Chargers just lost to the Broncos, and they got crushed by the Texans. Um, and they lost to the Chiefs, uh, even though the Titans have beaten the Chiefs, the Bills, you know, crushed the Rams. 
uh, yeah, it, it's just like dumb stuff like this that that's really annoying, um, and it gives analytics people a bad name. And like, I don't like to partake in it because I don't really like confrontation, and I, I usually don't care what a lot of these people say because, first of all, I like trust my eyes mostly, but I also d- just like don't see the need to to get into arguments with people who really aren't going to change their opinions. Um, but it's just frustrating. Like, I, I don't understand the need to just consistently be like, oh, the Titans are, are not very good. I can't believe they're the number one seed. Um, and especially because all of these analytical tools do not take into effect, into effect the count. Oh, my God. I can't even talk. I'm so I'm so flustered. They do <laughs> not take into account the fact that the Titans have had a record number of injuries uh, and the fact that they still are the number one seed is 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 fantastic and they're only getting healthier but of course they don't take into account at all so it's just annoying dboa is a pro as a football outsiders thing right correct yes i don't understand how like why are, I don't understand why the Titans are being called the worst one seed ever or since 1980. So my understanding is it's very heavy, heavily weighted towards uh, passing offenses and defenses, and uh, I think defensively they're fine. Like I think they're like top ten or whatever. But I think offensively because they don't throw the ball that much and because they're not hitting explosive plays because all their players are hurt. That that because. All DVOA is, is it's a guy in front of a computer who says, I think this stat's important. I think this stat's important. I think this stat's important. Let's bundle those together and then make a new number and we'll call that DVOA. So like, that's all this is, is like a guy decides which six numbers he likes the most. Then he says, okay, those are the only important numbers. And you just pick numbers that typically result in wins, even though they don't actually analyze anything past the numbers and then you say this is what a real ranking looks like and then you rank them and you know 50 percent of the people are mad 50 percent of the people are happy but the people who are happy post it everywhere and that's how you get to be a pff or a football outsiders or any of those people so it it's sort of like freddy krueger like you they only like survive because you talk about them and you like you breathe life into them like it you know Who's it? Rob Greenlaw, who does his like made up stats after every game, where he just like throws numbers, like and kind of ranks them however he wants. Like it's like that is Rob. He's hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. That is equally as valid, if not more so, because at least that like at least he watches the game with context and doesn't try to provide it for thirty two teams five minutes after the game's over. Like (laughs) it, it, like it, it, at the very least, like there's something there. So. It is sort of like that. But yeah, like you're right. There's no nuance behind it. It's numbers disguised as nuance because they're written in percentages and, you know, in in, in, in inscrutable fractions and stuff because they don't always tell you the exact formula they're using or whatever. It's it's stupid. Well, and like I said earlier, you know, this Titans team, they don't win explosively necessarily. They don't win with stats. How they win is. On Monday, they come in, they see who they're going to play, they get the plan, they go execute the plan, they win. Like, that. that's who they are. And and it's not exciting always. Sometimes it is. Like, I think that 49ers game is pretty exciting. Um, but it works, and they win football games. 
I'll close our episode with this as we think about the stakes of this week's game for the Titans. Our friend Mike Herndon unearthed this stat this week. When Mike Vrabel, as a head coach, is coming off of either a real bye week or a Thursday night football sort of half bye week, he is 8-0 with an average margin of victory of nearly 19 points. Seven of those eight wins have been at least 14 points. When Mike Vrabel gets rest, when Mike Vrabel gets an extra week to pick you apart, Mike Vrabel wins. For all his flaws, he's been really good this year, and we'll have the Coach of the Week conversation next week if the Titans are able to seal the deal for the number one seed against Houston. That's going to do it for us. For Willa Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.